Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie French Shirley for Wahoo's 24-7 and we're recording this during the bye week. Obviously, Virginia football is coming into this bye week with a win. Their first win since last October when they beat Georgia Tech and Atlanta. This win ended at eight-game skid that came from last season till now. This is the first win of the year for the Cavaliers, and it came in a very good time for them as they did go into a bye week, a chance for this team to get healthy. Um, but before we kind of dive into everything about the William Mary game, what's next for recruiting, but also um, what's next on the good old podcast and also was in 24 seven. Once you go ahead and like this video, like our channel and click on the bell. So they're notified whenever the video is when a new video is posted, but also go ahead and head to wherever you listen to your podcast and review and rate us so that we can continue to grow this show. Um, this week, we're going to have the same type of setup as last week, except on Thursday last week, you guys had more of a national angle on the podcast. Um, with our colleagues at 24-7 and CBS kind of handling our Thursday podcast, previewing a little bit of the basketball season ahead. This week, we're going to be more localized and talking about Virginia basketball on Thursday because there is going to be a scrimmage on Saturday at the John Paul Jones Arena. Virginia men and the Virginia women are both going to be holding their blue and white scrimmage. We will be in attendance. Both Michael and I will be covering the scrimmage, both the men and the women. We'll be covering it by having some videos, sights and sounds. They'll be posted on our site and right here on YouTube. But also we'll have our biggest takeaways and um, expectations of the season after we watch the scrimmage. So a lot of basketball content coming to you on here as well as Wahoo's 24-7. And again, we'll be proving Virginia men's basketball more focused episode compared to last week. 
this upcoming Thursday. Um, and like I kind of teased early on the show, we are going to dive into recruiting because that is the biggest question I hear is what's next on the recruiting trail for the Cavaliers, especially with Christian Zachary leaving the class. Is there an expectation that there are other flips coming? Are there anyone close to commitment? Who are some of the names to watch? So we'll dive in with those coming in later on the show. But first, let's talk about that first win. Virginia sealed their first one by beating William Mary 27-13. It was a must-win game for the Cavaliers as they head into a pretty tough second half of the season. Obviously the record. I mean, I know nobody's, trust me, nobody uh, uh, in that locker room, in this organization, right, uh, it feels is excited or feels good about where we are, right? You got a, you got a group of folks that, uh, man, uh, realize the opportunities we didn't take advantage of, man, and we want to make sure that we capitalize on the, the ones going forward. But really, it's just confirmation for those guys in there because they've worked extremely hard. The biggest step we took was, uh, you know, coming out the second half defensively a better team. So uh, last week we gave up a lot of points early on in that third quarter. So you know, being able to come in this week and have a not allow any points in the second half really speaks how our defense is growing and getting better every week. I always told my team I felt like all we needed was one. This one is stack. Just keep stacking. That's all we can do, game by game. As we said in the locker room, we're tired of saying we're so close, you know, let's get there. And I think today we did that, and so it was huge, you know, for a confidence boost to say, you know, we can play four quarters with anybody and, and we can do what we need to do and hold ourselves to a standard and reach that standard. I think that the bye week couldn't have been placed at a better time. Um, you know, it gives us a lot of confidence, you know, especially with being able to get our bodies back. We're going to feel a little better going into practice against UNC. And, um, you know, it's just a – I think it's a great time. It's a great time to, you know – Finally get a win. You said get the monkey off our back. Finally get that win and, you know, face a good ACC opponent. I think that we're, we're able to beat. And that, you know, when we get our guys healthy, you know, we're going to be a well-oiled machine. We're going to keep building and going in the right direction and give ourselves a great chance to win every game we play upcoming. Heard there, Virginia, obviously overjoyed for this win. It is definitely a game that they could build moving forward as they head to a very tough second half of the season. You know, we're going to dive into that William Mary game, but we can't undersell how important it was for Virginia to secure this win over the tribe. I mean, if you look at Virginia's schedule, just coming out of the bye week in itself, I mean, they're not going to be home again until November. They're going to be at my at North Carolina in Chapel Hill for the game that's kicking off at 6.30 p.m. televised on the CW. And then they're going to face at Miami. And I mean, although Mario Cristobal kind of gave the way against Georgia Tech by not kneeling in victory formation, we're not going to expect Mario Cristobal to do that every game. I mean, it looks like it's every five years, but, you know, we're not going to expect him to do that every game. But that's a very tough two games for Virginia to come on. So this win certainly does help a team that needed it. Not only have they not been able to win since last year, I mean, this team has also been a team that's been having so many guys on the injured list. So it was good confidence booster for these guys and a good reward for their hard work this season to get a win over William and Mary. So... Before we kind of dive in and discuss the second half of the season, but also recruiting, let's talk about this game. So as usual, I will have the stats up on the what YouTube video. So if you're watching this, you'll be seeing this on your screen as I talk. And if you're on our Wahoo's 24-7 site and you're listening to this on podcast, these stats are available there as well. But I'm just going to be kind of talking about the kind of the key stats from this game as I'm talking about some of their big takeaways for this win over Virginia. And 
I kind of touched on it. The mindset of this team is definitely one thing that stood out. They were fighting. They were showing grit. They wanted to win this game. And you saw the a little bit more of the urgency that you wanted it. I felt like this game, you saw more urgency compared to that game against Boston College. So, so I think that is uh, one of the main things that stood out to me in particular. Now, the other thing that stood out for me as well was that offensive line change. Now, we talked about what we wanted to see, and that's exactly what we saw in the offensive line and how that stacked up. Not only was Brian Stevens at center, is something that we talked about on the show, but then you got Anana, who is more of a natural guard, moved to tackle because of injuries and just with the situation. Now, he was moving at right guard, and Jimmy Chris, who's been working way back to health, was at right tackle. The left side has been the same with Mikhail Boley and Noah Josie, kind of the steady form. And honestly, that left side has been pretty consistent for the Hoos. So it's been usually that right side. So you got Anana and Jimmy Chris kind of taking over that right side. Time Furnished came in for a few snaps here and there. Brian Stevens um, had to leave for one particular play, but he was back later. Just It was kind of one of those things where he was hurt. He left for one minute and came back. So Time Furnished came in at center for that opportunity. But so Ty Furnish kind of subbed in, but predominantly that was what the right side looked. And they looked a little bit better. Obviously, this is still um, a work in progress. Jimmy Chris is coming back, still working on his conditioning, still getting used to the offense, still getting used to, you know, timings and just, you know, playing a game. You know, he's not been playing, uh, I think it was just since the first or second week of fall camp, and he's been slowly coming back to the game fitness, so... But yeah, that was definitely something I did like about Virginia. And honestly, if you follow Pro Football Focus, you follow our our, our stats on why it was 24-7. You know this was the best overall graded game for Virginia. Um, they were graded 88.7. And then on offense, it was a 77.1. And defense, 82.9. So again, it was the best overall team as far as Pro fo- Football Focus. And then I feel like this game was really st- – who really stole the show in this game was Paris Jones. I mean, you we, you know that I, I I feel like Paris Jones is underappreciated on this team, especially for his heart and his hard work. Um, former walk-on that earned a scholarship, and I, I felt like he was on the mission. He uh, Mike Collins was not able to play in the game, so Paris Jones kind of came in and got several other reps that he has not been getting, and he decided to run for a career high of 138 yards on 12 carries, averaging 11 yards per run and it was the first time since the season opener last year against Richmond that Virginia had a running back run for over 100 yards rushing so it was a good game for Paris Jones I feel like he's very underappreciated and some of the stuff that he does does is not even on the stat sheet I mean there was one particular play um, not only was he lowering his shoulders to make a tackle on special teams as well as on the offensive side of the ball but when Tony Musket fumbled the ball, it was him that hustled back to get the tackle to prevent the touchdown. If not, it would have been a touchdown. He got the guy down in the four-yard line, giving the defense an opportunity to try to prevent a touchdown. Now, unfortunately, Virginia did allow that touchdown. That was also something we're going to talk about because it was it was almost not a touchdown, but um, they weren't able to do a goal line stand, but... So Paris Jones had a good hustle play and definitely is someone to, that stood out just because of this is just how much he um, has earned his opportunity, but also just his fight and kind of saying like, hey, don't forget about me. I'm still in this running back room. So um, Kobe Pace was a number two uh, as a rusher. He had 83 yards on 20 attempts, averaging 4.2 yards per carry. So obviously 
a, a productive game for him as well. When it came to the passing game, Tony Musket went 17 of 26 for 232 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. He completed 65% of his passes. In the air, it was Malik Washington and Malachi Fields, with Malik Washington having 112 yards receiving, averaging 16 yards per catch, catching 70% of the balls thrown at him. Um, Fields, once again, was a guy that you want to throw when seconds remaining on the clock in, 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 the, uh, um, in the half. He caught that ball that had Virginia leading 20-13 heading into the break. So Malachi Fields, if uh, they, had, they need a last-second touchdown before the break, that's who they're going to throw to. I mean, I would too. He's a, he's a, pretty, ba- a pretty big target. Now the question for, for me moving forward for Virginia is who's stepping up on that receiver position in addition to Malachi Fields and Malik Washington at some point, these guys are going to be keyed on, and you're seeing that just sometimes they're keying on Malachi Fields and Malik Washington is getting more opportunities and vice versa. But you're expecting like J.R. Wilson. You're expecting like Jaden Gibson, Sudarian Harrison, the tight ends, it's a Sackett Wood and Mish, uh, Grant Mish. Those are the guys that you're expecting to have more of a repetition, more catches as moving forward right now. As you can see during uh, during the stats on your screen, or if you read about it, most of the other guys had one target apiece. So it'll be interesting to see if J.R. Wilson and Dakota Tweedy and those guys have more of an effect on the offense as we continue moving forward. And uh, speaking of the passing game, obviously Musket, um, a lot of the a lot of the headlines coming out of that game talking about how big of a warrior he is. Um, you know, Paris Paris Jones said it uh, pretty succinctly that. You know, he was the captain of their ship, their superhero, his superhero, and he will follow that guy anywhere. Um, a lot of that, it was because Virginia, the Virginia quarterback is playing hurt. He's playing through pain on that shoulder. Uh, Tony Elliott told reporters that he will effectively need surgery after the season. He had a decision to make, either have surgery now or have surgery later. He decided to have surgery later. So um, he's playing through a lot of pain and he's earned a lot of respect in that locker room. Um, there's not, you know, a division in the locker room. They uh, they respect his decision, and uh, they're kind of fighting behind him. And which also leads us now to the question of Anthony Colandrea. During that game, there was a there was a question if Anthony Colandrea was going to go in for Musket when Musket actually was grabbing that shoulder. He came off the field for a play, but then the medical staff said that he was going to be good after the one play. So Grady Brosterhouse only played that play because Anthony Colandrea currently has played in four games. Why is that so important? Well, because he can get burned his red shirt if he plays one more game. And right now, if Anthony Colandre at four, Virginia is going to be very careful to burn that red shirt. So they didn't want to do it for one play. Now, if Tony Musket isn't able to play for several plays, then that changes things. Then Anthony Colandre will sure be stepping into that. That's something that Des Kitchings and Tony Elliott both said. But as of right now, they're trying to preserve that red shirt if they can. So that is something that definitely... Um, is Bears watching as things move forward. Now, as far as we move to on the defensive side of the ball, so one of the things that if you notice, if you look at the stats, is that who's leading um, on defense, and that is Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson had 12 total tackles in the win against the Tribe. That is the most by a true freshman since Ahmad Brooks in 2003. Robinson's certainly making a name for himself already in his freshman season. Now, this is... No surprise. I mean, when he was being recruited by Virginia, Tony Elliott and his staff were making a point to tell him that he was going to be a program changer and that he was going to play. I mean, he's been rotating with the twos and threes since his arrival in the summer. 
And he took it as opportunities when Josh Ahern was not available to play due to his own injury. Cam went there and started, and then now he started again. So, I mean, Cam Robinson is taking his opportunities and earning his reps and making a name for himself. He's had 30 tackles total this year, and I, I believe that means he leads the conference in freshman linebackers with that number of totals. So, yeah, Cam Robinson is certainly uh, making a mark, and he's having an impression on several recruits. I know we're going to talk about recruiting in the second half of the show, but what Cam Robinson has done is definitely showing to recruits that Virginia is not afraid to play freshmen. I mean, we have other freshmen playing like Jaden Gibson and Sudarian Harrison. You're seeing those guys play as well, and obviously Anthony Colandrea played as well. But Cam Robinson playing and having – consistent success is also showing if you're a talented in-state prospect, why not play for Virginia an in-state school, not only play in front of family, but also play on the, on the national stage. Looking through the stat sheet, I think, you know, obviously Cam Robinson is definitely one that stands out. James Jackson also had a good game. The linebackers just in general had a good game against William Mary. There were some, some runs still that you go, uh, I could see where there were some gaps still where they need to get better moving forward as Virginia faces tougher competition than William & Mary. But again, they did do solid enough. And I mean, they kept William & Mary scoreless in the second half, which is something that they wanted to do after a previous game saw them kind of fall apart a little bit in that second half. They uh, In this game, they didn't allow any points. So that certainly is an improvement for John Rosinski's unit and group. Um, in addition to that, uh, Virginia's front, Jameer Carter and Aaron Famui. I think Aaron Famui especially is having a very good, squeeze, very good season. Not much is being talked about him, but you can tell that he's uh, a different guy this year. Um, and we're actually running a feature on him on Thursday. He's a proud dad of a three-month-old now, and we're, we're doing a feature on him um, about how he's said he's changed as being a dad off the field and uh, how his son – has helped him uh, mellow out a little bit, although John Radzinski quickly said that he's not sure if he's actually mellow, but Aaron Famui said he's giving him more patience to be a teacher to a lot of these young defensive linemen. So it's a pretty neat story on Aaron Famui, but he's had a very good steady season for UVA up front. So it's uh, definitely um, it's it's definitely helped Virginia as all those injuries have affected that group. Um, another key thing that I think is not being talked about in addition to Aaron Famui's steady season is Tavon Kyle. I feel like Tavon Kyle, after that first game against Tennessee, everyone focused on his tackling, but I think he's actually tackled a lot better. And I actually think that against William Mary, he was one of the standout performances. Um, and, and actually, Jonas Sanker was one to point that out as well in the postgame. Um, I think the biggest area I've seen him grow in is just, you know, his aggressiveness, you know. You know, we challenged him, you know, getting off blocks, making plays, uh, making tackles. I think he's really stepped up in that role, and uh, he's been big for us. A lot of teams early on, you know, tried to uh, come at us to the field on the perimeter, but, you know, we haven't seen that as much just because what speaks a lot to, you know, his aggressiveness and his ability to just down balls on the perimeter. So that's kind of our, our, our kind of quick and dirty recap of, of the Virginia game with some of the key stats and some of the keys, uh, kind of standout performances, but also key notes, but... There are some main takeaways that we have seen is that the Virginia running backs are talented if they get that second when if they get the to the second level and then they've been able to have those blocks. But they're also really good at at finding those holes. I mean, yes, defensive line was okay and was a little bit better. I mean, there still needs to work in progress, but at the same time, you saw the elusiveness elusiveness of some of these running backs and their vision to find that hole. 
um, and work for those extra yards. So I think you saw what talent they have in that running back room, which is what we haven't seen in the first couple weeks of the season. And you saw how what talent they have. And you also saw what Tony Musket can bring to the offense. Something that, if you notice compared to previous games, is that what Tony Musket can do is that intermediate passing game. Um, and actually, I'm going to bring back the um, stat here. Obviously, uh, I know I touched on a little bit on that defensive side uh, that Willie Mary was able to run a few times for big plays. They had seven um, plays where they gained 10 or more yards. Um, they had one, they had two over 15 yards. So again, that's that's definitely they want to clean up uh, moving forward. It's not gain, not allow those big rushes and big gains on the ground. But if you look at Virginia, they allow they had eight passing plays for 187 yards and eight rushes for 146 yards. What I like about Tony Musket and how he kind of runs this offense for Des Kitchings and Tony Elliott is, yeah, you see these big plays. You see the 20 yards, 22, 17, 17, 42, but you also see those eight yarders, those seven yarders, those 10 yarders. Those are the ones that I think really show what he can do because he's moving the chains He's not going for those home run gains, although he will tell you that he was doing a little bit too much in certain aspects against William Mary. Generally, you can see how they're able to move the ball in those intermediate passes. That's what I like about his game. It's not all or nothing. And he showed that he can move his legs as well in some scrambling situations as well against William Mary. So I think that was one of the other takeaways that I had in this matchup. The other thing is that although it was William Mary, we did see still some of those mistakes or some of those self-inflicted wounds that we've seen consistently from Virginia through this season. So in that way, I'm a little reserved in saying that, you know, everything's cured. They got to win. So the season's going to be turned around because you still see some of those same mistakes. They didn't play all four quarters. They played a much better four quarters. I think they won a lot of the the moments that they won. They they won the middle eight. They were able to keep Willie and Mary scoreless. So there's a lot of wins there. But when you look at special teams, it always feels like you're waiting for a special teams mistake when it comes to Virginia. I mean, even Daniel Sparks, who's been pretty consistent for them, had a, a punt that was shanked. It looked it, 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 when it, when it was live, it looked like it hit someone. Um, but then you have the special teams error. I mean, there was a miscue right off the top for Virginia um, that that cost them a better field field range to start off. So the offense was starting about 10 yards further back than they were expected. But the offensive line still needs to improve. I mean, against William Mary's pass rush, they still allowed four sacks. So Tony Musket was getting hit. And some of those sacks came in third down. So Virginia didn't do a good job on third down. For the game for Virginia, they were 6 of 15 so again, they need to make sure they stay on the field on third down. Um, they were two for two on fourth down, though. They did do a QB sneak with Grady Brosterhouse and Tony Musket as well. So at least that was, a, that was a change. But again, third down, still an issue. Sometimes it's because they were sacked on third down also or facing third and long. They, they need to be wary of that and not get themselves in third and long situations. And again, Des Kitchings knows this. The Virginia knows this. This is not brand new information. But that was something that we continued to saw against William Mary. Um, the other thing, obviously, is two turnovers. Tony Musket had a fumble and also an interception in that game. Speaking of that interception, that kind of ties into what we're talking about with mistakes. You know, 
penalties wasn't such a huge issue in this game um, compared to Boston College. They had five penalties for 41 yards, but they still cost them. I mean, there was one opportunity for William Mary who went on fourth down and they didn't get it. But then Virginia's defense was called for offsides. So then they had an opportunity to do it again. And then eventually they scored. And then in the other way, Virginia had a five-yard touchdown from Paris Jones called back because of a holding call against them. And then the next play, Tony Musket was through an interception on third and 12. So these penalties are costing Virginia. I mean, against a better opponent, no disrespect to William & Mary, but against a better opponent, that could have cost them the game. So those are little things that you're still focused on as Virginia in the bye week um, as you move forward. You want to keep those things down because the margin of error is so small for Virginia. Um, You don't have the depth that you need either because of injury or because of experience. So you're still working on creating depth. So right now your margin of error is so small. So those situations is where you're like, that will cost you against North Carolina. That will likely cost you against Miami. I mean, that could cost you at home against Duke and Georgia Tech. Um, So again, those are the games that are coming. So you don't want to give those teams any sort of leeway to come back in a game because I will probably guess that there's going to be a lot of close games coming and Virginia has not done a good job of winning those close games. So you don't want to give the other team any sort of advantage. So we're going to take a a quick little break here, but on our way back, um, since we talked a lot about the game, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting and what's next for UVA. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Hello and welcome back to the Godot Podcast. I'm Jack French, Julie for Why Was 24-7. So on the first half of the show, we talked a lot about William Mary and that win for Virginia and what it means moving forward, especially with the season coming forward and before we actually dive into recruiting you know once you look at Virginia's schedule you can see like I said the first two coming out of the gates for Virginia is at North Carolina and Chapel Hill at 6 30 p.m kickoff at CW but then you also have at Miami so two 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 top 25 teams for Virginia and then they'll be at home for the first time in November so that's almost a, that's a month before they're back at Scott Stadium and that'll be Georgia Tech who just beat Miami so I think I think Georgia Tech is one of those um, 50-50 games for Virginia because you don't really know what Georgia Tech you're getting when you when they face off at the UVA. At least this one is going to be in Charlottesville. So that is a, a game where you're not quite sure what's going to happen. But then Virginia travels to Louisville, the number 14 team in the country, and that will be a Thursday night game at Louisville. So again, a, that's three out of the next four games against a top 25 opponent. And then, what if I tell you that the next game, 
another top 25 opponent, and that is against Duke. Duke will be journeying to Virginia at home in Charlottesville. So, I mean, you've got four of the next six games against top 25 opponents. So when we say that that game against William Mary was important for you to win, I mean, I, I, I wasn't kidding. That was that could have been seen as a must-win game for UVA. And obviously, to end the season at Virginia, at, at Virginia facing Virginia Tech um, during that Thanksgiving week for the rivalry weekend. So, I mean, this is a tough second-half schedule. So Virginia really needed that win to help boost them as they continue to move forward. Uh, Miami's an interesting game. Um, if you, if you followed me for the last couple of years of my career, you know, I am a Miami floor. I, I did go to university of Miami and I always get people joke about how, um, Virginia beat Miami at the last game of the orange bowl. Um, but for some reason, Virginia always plays Miami pretty close. Um, especially at home, obviously this is away, and they'll be going to Miami gardens to play. But, um, if you had a, if you had a team to upset, I would say Miami is your team. Uh, like out of the games that are top 25 teams and you're looking at who they could upset if you're looking at it. Again, Virginia has their own demons they need to face. Uh, like non, 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 no self-inflicted wounds. I mean, there's a lot of stuff Virginia needs to focus on themselves. But for a team, when you look at it and you see what Miami has, has, not, has sometimes placed to their opponents, so that could be something where Virginia takes advantage of. So that's, that's one game as of right now um that i would uh, kind of circle as a as one so you know like okay it's a top 25 team but it could it it could be one of those upset watches but again virginia has wait they need to focus on themselves because right now this is a, a, a tough second half schedule for virginia but yes recruiting so um i'm going to bring up the commitments um for virginia currently um, again, if you are a Wahoo's 24 seven subscriber, or you can just go to 24 seven sports on Wahoo's 24 seven, and you'll be able to see the current commitments of the class. So with Christian Zachary leaving the class, Virginia is down to 13 commitments. Um, so I expect Virginia to add a few in this class. Um, right now, Virginia is also monitoring what's going on with these commits as far as how solid they are. Uh, Benjamin York and Ethan Minter both have recently visited. Uh, Chris and Zachary did visit, but he also took an official visit to NC State. Um, I think Benjamin York and Ethan Minter both that have visited are pretty solid. I think John Rogers is pretty solid as well. I think we're all monitoring what's going on with defensive lineman Tyler Simmons. If you're a subscriber, you've already known that uh, he visited Kansas over the weekend. He's a uh, He's also considering visiting other ACC programs. So right now you can consider him a soft verbal as he kind of evaluates his recruitment. But for sure, Tyler Simmons is definitely one that we're monitoring. Now, in addition to Tyler Simmons, Cedric Franklin, Cedric Franklin is another one that has visited another program. He visited Georgia Tech. Um, so we're obviously monitoring that as well. But again, this is the type of time of season where you're going to see some commits visiting other programs. While Virginia is obviously actively actively looking at other teams and um, three, two, one. Virginia is also actively looking at other players as well. I expect them obviously to try to get at least one high school quarterback in this class. Obviously the portal does open up in December. So there's going to be a lot of movement, not only, you know, Virginia trying to actively get, but we're also watching if there's anyone going to enter the portal. I mean, one of the names that we'll be watching is Demique Starling. That is someone that we expect to enter the portal. If, um, you know, he did ask Virginia to redshirt to see if he can 
um, have a different opportunity if that means again during the portal. So we'll be monitoring that. But that means Virginia is looking for a wide receiver. They have offered wide receivers. Um, I expect Virginia to go in there and try to get a tight end as well as a linebacker as well. So Virginia is actively looking for a lot of those. Now, when you look at who they've offered, uh, they've offered a few guys that have committed to other pro- other programs. One. Virginia has offered guys that have recruited, have committed to other programs. And one of the quarterbacks that Virginia is high on is Evans Chuba, who's committed to Washington State. I think that's going to be a huge ask for Virginia to try to convince him to flip. Um, but is that that's definitely someone that they are actively recruiting still? I think there's uh, Virginia might open up that a little bit. I know that they have offered another quarterback in this 2024 class that's currently committed elsewhere. Um, so I, I think they're already starting to kind of readjust with that in mind, since I don't think Evans Chuba will be someone that um, will kind of move away from his commitment from Washington State. I think it'll be really tough for UVA, but there was some neutral interest early on there. So that's something you still want to watch, um, obviously, with everything that's going on with the Pac-12 and the, uh, all that re- uh, conference realignment. You, mean, you might be able to get some traction down the line, but right now Evans Chuba seems to be pretty solid to Washington State. I think Virginia is still trying to figure out what's next for them at wide receiver. I mean, right now they have Tristan Ward committed to them, but UVA would like to gain at least another, you know, maybe two or three wide receivers in this class. Um, Emmanuel Ross, who's committed to Stanford, and Trey Horn, who's committed to Georgia Tech, are just two guys to know. Um, Also, Jack Sprelly-Demps, who picked up an offer from Virginia recently. He wants to visit for an official visit. He's also someone to watch when it comes to UVA. At tight end, Virginia is still actively recruiting players. Um, John Rogers is committed, but they would like to add at least one more from when talking to sources. Um, They have reached out to a few, including one that's committed to another program um, that I can't reveal the name right now. But yes, they're still actively recruiting guys. On the O-line, I actually think they're, they're pretty much done in that group, I think possibly they might be open depending on the guy, but they have three offensive linemen committed with Benjamin York, Dan Walensky. Sorry if I butchered that name. Grant Ellinger. Those are your three guys committed um, in the class. And I think they're they're done as far as the O-line. I expect them if they want to add more O-line, they'll focus more on the portal. So that's why I'm saying I think three, I think three linemen is... Um, that's what there was the expectation was in the summer. Obviously, they always reevaluate during the season, but I think right now that's that's what my assumption is since there have been a lot of focus in 2025. And I think if you look at it, you want to get more experienced guys coming in. So that'll be something that you can do in the portal. They still need to find a linebacker commitment. Miles Brown received the offer from Virginia. He recently visited as well. I think I think Virginia is trending well. He is planning to visit Georgia Tech too. So, but that is that is a guy to keep in mind. And then a defensive tackle They have Tyler Simmons committed, but they would like to add one more in that group. So keep an eye on more, more offers coming out. There's been a couple guys that camp that Virginia is going to keep an eye on. And actually Virginia is going to be on the road this week and we'll be kind of dissecting where they're going to be um, over the course of the next few days. But that is um, something to monitor because you're going to see them move a little bit when it comes to who they're going to be watching. There might be offers extended because they like seeing these guys in person. 
Um, but yes, there's, uh, I expect them to get at least one more defensive tackle. And then as far as defensive end guys, edge guys, um, Chase Morrison and Jewett Hayes are your two commitments. I'll probably see them get one more guy. I mean, obviously Jared Johnson is still out there. He's committed to Virginia tech, but you never not commit that. You never not recruit that guy. So Jared Johnson is certainly still on the board. Um, as far as safeties right now, They've got three committed, if you count Ethan Minter as a safety. Now, right now, Ethan Minter is technically an athlete, but I think everyone expects him to be a, a guy for them as an, as at safety. So, but right now he is an athlete, but if that's the case, they have two safeties commit, committed and they also offered Gregory Smith out of Florida. I think the ships kind of sailed on that one, although he was, Talking about an official visit to Virginia, I think once Florida came into the picture, um, I, I think things changed rather quickly. I mean, he got the offer, he came in, took an unofficial visit, and he's already scheduled an official visit. So I think things are trending a little bit differently towards that uh, recruitment. As far as cornerbacks, they've got two committed. I think they're pretty much done there too. Again, I think I could see them getting some uh, transfer portal guys in the secondary, and then I think high school. Um, I think they've got, so unless someone kind of jumps out or if there's any um, attrition in the class, I think they're, they're pretty much done there. So again, these are just kind of like your cliff notes version of what's going on on the recruiting front this bye week since there's no games, we've been able to kind of dissect what's going on with Virginia. So we'll have a comprehensive look, a reset of the board, if you will, for both 24 and names to watch in 25, because there's new names on the board for Virginia. And there's names that they're continuously evaluating, like Jason Wright, the quarterback out of Huguenot, quarterback Charlie Smith, those guys who have visited Virginia in the last few weeks, those two visiting for the game against William and Mary. Um, Josh Smith, offensive lineman in 2024, 2025 class, has big time offers. He was on grounds for that game against William and Mary. You got um, Charlie Smith from Charlotte. He's a quarterback that Virginia, I think, could pull the trigger on an offer. I think he's one of those second-tier guys, possibly moving to that first-tier guy. Jason Wright, I think they're evaluating. And you got Lakota West, Ohio linebacker Micah Markley, who enjoyed his visit. We talked to him. He seemed to really enjoy um, watching Virginia work and obviously seeing Cam Robinson being productive certainly was a uh, good thing for him to watch. Um, seemed to really like the visit. So, again, a lot of movement in that regard, and they're going to reset a few things for Virginia and obviously the portal does change things for Virginia because you have to kind of figure out how many of those official visits you're going to separate aside for portal and how many for high school guys. So a lot of things are going to be adjusted over the course of the last week. And I think a lot of it is being done as we speak in the bye week as they decipher which guys are going to move forward with and which guys they'll be watching on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Since unfortunately Virginia had two Friday night games which doesn't help when you're trying to see guys in person. But um, again, kind of Cliff Notes version of recruiting. We'll have a, a little longer recruiting show next week um, because obviously we don't have a game to talk about over the weekend. So we'll have that uh, kind of recruiting show as we also have behind enemy lines next week. And obviously we also have the kind of takeaways from the scrimmage as well. So kind of we'll do a kind of a flip-flop on Tuesday. We'll have more of the outlook for basketball kind of bring on a guest to kind of dissect what we saw for both the men and women on Saturday. And then the days later, we'll have Behind Me Lions with North Carolina. Our Inside Carolina site does a great job there. So we'll be talking to them about North Carolina. But then also we'll talk a little bit about uh, the recruiting and what's changed over the course of that week.
So I think that's a good place to leave it. So um, again, we'll see you guys next week. We'll have full coverage from the scrimmage on Wahoo's 24-7 and right here. So we'll see you back on Saturday and we'll preview the preview the scrimmage in a little bit more detail on Thursday on a podcast. So for right now, I'm Jack for Julie, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.